Welcome to Talk It Out with Tab. I'm your host, Tab, creating a safe space for you to share your truth. Let's talk it out as we walk into our existence of thriving together. Good people, tonight I have Tia Noel. I came to know Tia, Tia a little over 10 years ago, I guess, a little over 10 years ago. I came to know her as family first. We, um, we became family through by way of marriage. And once we became family, then we developed a friendship. We, throughout our friendship, we have had times just based on external relationships. We've had times where we haven't spoken. We've had times where we've come back together close. But whenever we come back together, we always pick up right where we left off. And so I thought it would be a great um, discussion for us to talk about friendships. So tonight, Tia Noel is joining me to talk about friendships between women. Hey, Tia. Hey, Tab. This is such an honor for you to have me here. Oh, my God. We're doing big things. <laughs> yes, we are. Yes, we are. I'm so excited to have you. And I'm so excited that we get to talk about friendships. 2020 was a definitely a year of challenge for all of us. And, you know, yes. it, it brought some relationships back together. It made some relationships drift apart. You know, yes. based on based on where you were mentally, you know, it could really do different things in relationships. But for us in 2020, I am so thankful that we were able to reconnect. Yes, me too. Yeah. That was uh, that was truly a gift. It really was. It really was. Um, so tonight we're talking about friendships, friendships with ladies. So, I mean, we can start off just talking about our own friendships and how it has, you know, taken its its times where we kind of take a break from each other and then we come back as friends. I think, you know, some people may see that as inconsistency, but mm-hmm. I actually think that it could be healthy sometimes when, you know, friendships may need a little bit of break or a little bit of rest. Yeah. I totally agree. I totally agree. Well, before we get started, I have this thing for you. Okay. So, you know, in our friendship, we talk about levels of friendship, friendship categories. And I came across this article on lifehack.org, right? And the Mm -hmm. title was eight types of friends you need to have in your life. So I got a quick game for you. Are you ready? I am. Can you... check a box for all of these categories so the first set of friends is one the loyal friend the best friend the next friend is the fearless adventurer or the party friend the third friend is the brutally honest confident just i'm gonna give it to you straight friend the next friend is the wise mentor that will always give you good counsel Okay. Then the next mm-hmm. friend would be a friend from a different culture. Okay. And then we have a friend that's just a polar opposite of us, like just completely different, but you just vibe with that person for, for whatever the reason is. Then mm-hmm. you have a friendly neighbor. Do you have a friendly neighbor? Or what about just a work pal? Like, Hey, you my friend, but just at work, <laughs> just at work. That's it. <laughs> Can you check for each box or which boxes do you have checked? Which boxes would you like to have checked? Um, and then which friend are you? So I was able to check off each box. 
And what? with you knowing, yeah, with you knowing me and you witnessing my relationships, you know that very early on in my friendship with someone, I can kind of tell where they where they fit in for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do, unfortunately or fortunately, I don't know. I think it's fortunate for me. It, it's based on my comfortability, but I do place people in categories of friendships for me based on how close I allow someone to get to my personal space. And I really can check off every category in here. And you may be better able to tell me which kind of friend I am, but I think that I am a combination of the brutally honest, confident friend and the wise mentor. Yes, you are the brutally honest friend. Like you're gonna tell me even. (laughs) But you know what? A lot of people, they'll be the brutally honest friend, but they don't always know how to do it in the correct way. What I will say that you are conscious of people's feelings and how they may receive things where some people I'm just going to keep it real I'm a realist I'm going to say it and it may not come out the nicest or in the best way but long as they Mm -hmm. kept it real and sometimes I feel like when you're in that space and you just want to keep it real you have to really know who your friend is and you could be hurting your friend versus helping your friend do you understand I do understand and I and I understand because I've been both of those people. So I've always been the brutally honest friend, but I've also been the friend that will tell you the truth without tact and without being considerate of your feelings. Right? And then I've also been the friend that is brutally honest, but I I look for now as I as I've matured, I now look for permission to speak. And once you give me that permission, now I also consider the heart posture that you are currently in to receive the information. Cause now, you know, if I truly love you, I realize that just spitting truth like that could could do more damage than, than, um, than helping you. So okay. I'm really, really conscious of that. And again, that's as I, as I got older, that's only through learning with relationships in my twenties and in high school and all of that girl, listen, tab was raw. Like it's pulling the bandaid off blood or not. We pulling the bandit off. Yep. But like I said, as I got, and I, and I prefer this, this side, this, this side of me better where I am really in tune with the emotions of the person that I'm talking to, the recipient of the information that I'm sharing, because if I truly call you my friend and I really do love you and I do, I did in high school, I did in college as well. If I call you my friend, then I truly did have heart space for you and I truly loved you. And my intent for sharing the truth was to liberate you in some sort of way. But if I didn't, if I didn't handle that information correctly, or if I was a poor steward of that, then I'm the one that's now adding more pain and more hurt to that situation. I'm going to be brutally honest right now. Can I check off every category here today? No, I cannot. (laughs) (laughs) That that perception in the realm of space of where I am now, I will say I would probably be the one I'll probably have the most of is polar opposites. Can you believe it or not? I just attract, attract people that are completely different from who I am. Um, I also have a friendly neighbor. Of course, I have a work pal. I have friends from different cultures. Um, I have you for my brutally honest confidant friend. (laughs) My friends, have I got wise counsel from everyone? Yes. But for that one go-to friend for that purpose, 
I have someone that's really close there, but I don't know yet. So what do you consider wisdom? <laughs> is wisdom something, is wisdom when someone shares something with you, but it aligns with your current belief system? Or is wisdom something that you need to that you need to learn that is stretching your capacity to continue to grow as an individual? Honestly, I believe it's a combination of both. There's no one without the other to me. So, so you know, for one, to listen to someone who I don't feel comfortable with or that could hold that space or do, that I feel that may align with my beliefs, that's going to be hard for anyone to do, right? If you're going to listen, are you going to listen to somebody that you have no identity within? How would you even let that person get your attention, you know, versus mm -hmm. having that same person, but that same person can also stretch you to grow, right? Think about that. Who do you welcome in your space enough that could hold both? Or do you welcome people within your space that one can have that without the other? Because without, without the very first thing that you said, how does one get into that space in order to give you wise counsel? That's true. Um, and, you know, it, it's interesting that you asked that question. I have been very fortunate enough to have friendships for a very, very long time. All the friends, with the exception of, let me see, with the exception of the neighbor friend and the work pal. I mean, I've had work pals in other places, but I'd also do in this most recent place that I'm working, working in. And the friends that are polar opposite, I, I have had friends who fit into all these categories that I've had from since I'm a child now into adulthood. And so they've already fit that that standard of, of having a belief system that somewhat aligns with mine already. And my wise mentor does fall into that already. I do have one friend who is actually a coach. I would consider uh, my spiritual coach at this time, who is a new friend that I gained after my 30s which I know is something that is really tough to come by is to try and start building relationships. Let me rephrase that, start building authentic relationships after our 30s, because pretty much by then we have all our friends. I mean, how has that experience been for you to try and build new relationships after your 30s? I am so glad that you brought that up. Friendships after 30. Okay, that's the real question. Do you, are you with me? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Friendships after 30, okay. So here's my take on friendships after 30. Especially when you're in a place where you're not, where you didn't, where you were, where you were not raised, okay? So say for example, I'm originally from Detroit, Michigan, right? And I reside here in, in Georgia, okay? So friendships after 30. Most people develop those relationships or those strong bonds within their teens, 20s. So you pretty much have solid relationships of who's your surrounding or um, who your close ones are to you once you hit that age frame. So imagine being uprooted or imagine being disconnected from those during the building years and transitioning into that. And then now you're here in your 30s and you're still trying to build that. That is tough. I can speak to that. Um, 
my experience, I would say it's challenging because when you get to a new space, you want to, you want to learn to trust others. Um, then you want to find people that are, are like-minded, you know, um, some people who want to grow with you, people who don't want to stay stagnant, then have life changes. Maybe some of your friends may have children or, uh, maybe they're getting married or maybe going through, um, a divorce or career change. So you have all these factors and guess what? Now we got COVID-19. So yes, Ain't nobody friendships, <laughs> yes. friendships after 30 has truly been a challenge for me. Um, what would be your uh, best advice in that area? I'm not sure if I'm the best person to give advice in that area only because, I mean, like you, you know, I've, I've moved since my childhood. I was originally born in Trinidad and Tobago. I moved here at the age of 10. So those relationships that I had at, um, those friendships that I had when I was 10 and below, I no longer have those friendships. But moving to the United States, I moved to New York and the strong bonds that I built there with friends in New York, I still have those friendships. And then from New York, I went to college in Boston. Those strong friendships I built when I went to college in Boston, I still have those friendships. And so I understand what it is to move, but I haven't, even though I'm in Georgia now, those friendships from New York and those friendships that I built in Boston, we're all spread out because life has placed us in different places, right? We are, some of us are married now, some of us have children, some of us just move by way of jobs. Um, you know, our careers keep us bouncing from state to state. And we still have that glue, that glue that no matter the distance, we still talk. I mean, I turned 40 this year. When I turned 40, my girls got on a Zoom call and had a 40th birthday party for me. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was, a good thing I was dressed up, girl. I had my makeup on. I had gotten dressed up for my birthday. Thank, uh -huh. <laughs> thank goodness. Wow. You know, I still have my crew. I still have my crew despite the distance, despite the life changes that we've had. We've, we've witnessed each other, you know, we came to know each other as girls. We've witnessed each other get married. We've witnessed each other um, have children. We've witnessed each other go through divorces, lose other friends, um, lose parents. We've even, some of us have even lost parents. Um, some of us have lost siblings. You know, we have gone through life changes together. And once you go through those changes with people, I think that it, it, there's a glue there and that it allows you to go into such an intimate space that it cannot be replaced. For me, it's been a little different. Um, in my transition, you know, I had a really close friend during that transition that felt like I left them behind. And so even though that relationship still exists, it's not the same. In which relationships, they always change. They grow, evolve, digress, whatever the case is. But that was a relationship that I wish that I would have truly um, nurtured more. I, I commend you for having that observation because you want your friends to feel like you truly, um, you know, like you truly do care. But I believe that it is a two-way street. As you continue to grow, and as I've witnessed my friends grow, and even as they've witnessed me grow, 
you cannot expect a friend to stay in the space that you are in because you are not accelerating at the same level. It will be pretty self-absorbed of me to expect to hold my friend in a particular space because I'm still there. Sometimes being a good friend means sitting on the sidelines and cheering your friend on. You know, we don't have to be running the same race at the same pace. It's just a matter of the season that you're in. Sometimes I'm cheering you on. Sometimes you're cheering me on. Sometimes I'm stepping out on the field and giving you water. And sometimes you're doing the same for me. You know, sometimes you pass the baton to me and I keep it pushing. And sometimes I pass the baton to you. Like we don't have to be at the same leg of the race. That is definitely something I'm going to take away from this, from this talk. I'm glad that you said that because here's a question as a woman that I get, that I have, that that is just mind boggling sometimes when it comes to women friendships. So is this a competition or are we on the same team? So this is really interesting. I, it's not a yes or no answer. I think that there are three options here, actually. I think that you have friends who are competitive, some that's on the same team, and I think you have friends that are motivators. So I don't know if you have ever, if you're familiar with the sport of crew, you have a coxswain and the coxswain sits at the top of the boat and they cheer you on. And that's what keeps the team going. That's what motivates the team to keep pushing. Those that, you know, I would consider being friends from my childhood, from New York and from Boston, we don't compete with each other. I can truly say that we do not compete with each other, but we are each other's coxswain. We are each other's biggest fans and biggest cheerleaders. And I think that no matter where we are in our lives, we have always been able to take a step back and, and cheer each other on. Yeah. And that is so unique. Yeah, I mean, I feel really, as I'm talking about it, it, it just, it fills my heart actually talking about it because that is truly, truly unique. And we are all so different. <laughs> we are all so different, especially as we get older, we may have the fundamental values that are the same, but like our personalities are so different. Um, but we cheer each other on. I think that anyone who feels like they need to compete with you is going to always see you as an adversary. I agree. So with that being said, how do you, how would you find growth in a friendship in that capacity? I just feel like that's where we would probably have to go back and recategorize some things or um, space. Cause I feel like, I feel like, like you said, it, it may be a couple different levels or layers to when it comes to, are we friends? Is this a competition or are we on the same team? Um, I feel like I'm on the same team. Like, I feel like, like you said, with your group of friends, like we're cheering each other on. We're trying to, you know, we are all trying to get better or evolve in one way or another. So yes, let's, let's support each other. Let's, let's motivate each other. Let's be there for the hardships. Let's, Let's encourage each other when when that person may feel like encouragement is non-existent, you know? Mm -hmm. so that's my perspective of it. But I have had situations where, hey, I've been in situations where it's a competition to get out the car. It's a competition to get to the door. Um, like, 
you know, I felt like, wow, I didn't even know it was a competition. I didn't even know we were competing. I can't have people like that in a very close emotional space for me because in the back of my mind, they are always coveting what I have or they are not wishing the best for me. They wish the best for me as long as it's one notch beneath them. And those people, I, in my mind and in my heart space, I automatically put them in the category of an associate. And okay. they just, you know, yeah, we can talk. Yeah, we can hang out. At this space that I am in my life, I don't even know if I would invite an associate to my house because my space now has Agreed. become so sacred. My space, I, I, can, I can come meet you somewhere, but to come into my home, I think at this place that I am in my life, I will only invite someone I truly consider either family or a friend. And let's be honest, some family may not even be invited. I ain't, I ain't even gonna lie. <laughs> I totally agree with that. I agree with that. Well, I will tell you this. During the COVID season, I did find myself self-assessing because I had to figure out, for me, I had to figure out what friend was I to my friends. So in my mind, I'm going to be straightforward with you. In my mind, I I thought I was his best friend because my feelings were there, my emotions were there, but my actions didn't always match my emotions and how I felt about that individual. And so I had to re-self-assess and figure out what friend am I to this person? Like, just because I love this person and I feel this way about this person, I want this person to win, I want them to have good health, but what actions have I actually taken to support this person in that, that space? And I had to really self-assess the type of friend that I was and make some adjustments. Did you find yourself doing anything like that during COVID? I would say that when I, before COVID, so in the midst of COVID, it made me more intentional just about reaching out to people because life slowed down a bit, which was a good thing. And it slowed down enough for me to say, okay, don't just call on birthdays or holidays or, you know, when you know something big is happening, but just say, hey, just check on people. Mm. Is it selfish to only want to nurture friendships that serve you? <laughs> so think about friendships. I had to really think about friendships that served me. And was I actually serving my friends? You know, so and I thought about friendships that where I serve others and it didn't serve me. You know, so I, I know that changes because, you know, relationships have their ebbs and flows. Like sometimes you may have to be the one that serve or sometimes you may be the one being service in a relationship. But at the end of the day, I had to look at it as if, is this one-sided? Is this an empty relationship or is, just, is this relationship just too taxing? I don't believe that friendships, now we're talking about friendships and not associates. I don't believe that just breaks the camel's back and then there'll be no return because it's built and built and built and built. Because you can't continue to withdraw from a from a anything that you haven't made a deposit, right? I mean, that's a statement that we all know. So eventually, you're gonna go bankrupt. It may not happen today. Oh wait, that one punched me right in the chest because that that has happened to me, or I'll say I partake 
in such an event where um, I would say I had a friendship that may have been one-sided where I felt like I was given into the friendship and I wasn't reciprocating any anything back from it. And because of other relationships, I let it kept I let it just keep going and um, to where I just couldn't anymore. And not to say that that person was a bad person or you know, or the relationship was just such a horrible relationship. It just didn't. I just found myself on the short end of the stick all the time. Do you find that in many of your relationships? That you feel that way? Not not a lot, but I have had relationships like that before. But in my adult life, I can I can I can hold hold on to one where I feel like that has taken place for sure. So I would I would encourage you that if you feel that that is happening and it if it's a relationship that you truly value to speak to it, to speak to it before you are so depleted. And oftentimes we don't do that. Uh, you know, I guess it's easier for me to say that because I'm the blunt friend, right? But if I have a friend that's that I feel like is just sucking me dry, two things are going to happen. They're going to see me withdraw and I'm going to be telling them in, in, in a decent way that, hey, like, I just need my space because it is too much or that's heavy. I remember talking to someone, um, actually it was two years ago. She told me she wanted to take me out for my birthday. She took me to breakfast for my birthday. And man, that girl wore me out. <laughs> I felt drained. And I literally said in that moment, I said, wow, this was truly a lot. This was too much to consume on today. On your birthday. <laughs> on, on my birthday. So, because in that moment, I really, I realized that it was my birthday and she offered to take me out for breakfast, but it was because she needed, right. She needed that dumping session. She needed that air, which is fine, but don't do it under the guise of taking me out for my birthday. Don't do it under the guise of, um, that you're pouring into me when really you were depleting me. I was tired. I had to go out with someone else later on that evening and I legit was like, oh, I need a nap. <laughs> God, wait. I came home and I can't sleep during the day. I came home and I just laid for a minute. I laid, just rested. It's just some silence. You have to tell people. I say all that to say you have to tell people and I told her. And she said, well, I'm sorry. I said, well, and when she said she was sorry, I said, well, thankfully, I still have the rest of my day. Wow. Yeah. The blunt friend. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot. No, I mean, this, it was a lot. It was a lot. They were, I mean, we, we've been friends for a couple of years and you chose today to tell me about childhood traumas. So that's when the question comes back, is it selfish to only want to nurture nurture relationships um, that are non-taxing or, you know, that are not empty? Like, 
like you never know what somebody is going to you never know um when you have to stand in and be the angel or just that ear sometimes but mm -hmm. when it's exhausting when it's when it's super taxing when you're left feeling empty like that's a turn off to me like <laughs> i don't want to go back to that you know it is but i think that's when you learn your own boundaries and you set your own boundaries so with that particular friend her and i are still friends mm -hmm. um i shouldn't she's more of an associate not a friend but her and i are still associates and okay. i do still pour into her you know every once in a while i reach out to her um she has since relocated to another state so i since that day i now have built my boundaries and I pour into her with the capacity that I have. I am not, it's like, I'm not gonna allow someone to come into my home and take all my food and leave me and my family without, right? It's the same way with my emotional capacity. And so I will say, hey, I have a pantry full of food, come in. Like you need to get your- I like how you put that. You need to be full off of something else that is within you. I cannot fold you up. I can I can definitely satiate you and and give you capacity so you're no longer hungry. But I am not your God. I am not within you. So I can't do that for you. It's really, really important to know the difference between building boundaries and building walls. Was right? that a because direct hit? Was that a direct hit to me? No. Did you receive it as such? Oh, well, we got to well, look at the Lord. Well, we got to talk about that then. So you build walls is what you're saying. <laughs> That's a strong possibility. Um, we had a conversation the other day about uh, about friendships. We, we did talk about friendships the other day. Mm -hmm. um, and you said something to me that it wasn't my first time hearing it about how how it's easy for me to make friendships, but I do leave a roadblock or I um I I kind of go rogue in the in the middle of the relationship. And that could be that wall that you're referring to. So mm. I would love to hear what you were going to say because I think I may can identify with that to some extent. So for me, I can talk about, you know immature tab versus mature tab when i love somebody and when i feel like somebody is my friend when i call somebody my friend i go hard for you in my heart space with being so going so hard in my heart space for someone that i consider a friend it is really hard for me to let down those walls because i know that it's such a vulnerable place and some people see me so hard and so guarded and so confident and all these things that I've heard, but it's because that that heart space is so tender that I used to have walls up and it used to keep people out. Even in romantic relationships, I would say, right? I think having boundaries allows people to actually come in, come into that heart space and it sets the guidelines or sets the tone for them to know how to be a steward of this heart, this heart space that I've let them into, right? But the wall is see what I want them to see. 
But when I let you into the heart space and I can set up boundaries, then you get to see the true me. And I also get to teach you and tell you what's painful, what's acceptable, what's not acceptable. And it's up to you to determine whether or not you stay in that safe boundary or if you're gonna be excommunicated. I don't really set that in my intimate in my intimate relationship. So, you know, my intimate relationship, I've been with my husband for almost 20 years. You know, we started out as kids, it's 15. So in that space, yeah, I don't have walls, but outside of that space, I may have so many walls. Um, and like you said, just just in that realm of play, in that realm of things um, where the heart can really be tender, um, I probably do, I probably can admit that I, I do set up many walls. And I said that like six times already, but it's becoming a reality as I say it more and more, the realization of, hey, that's something that you do. And that's something that you need to work on. Um, brought That was brought out within this conversation. So, I mean, how do you think that's impacted your friendships? Like, do you think that's been hurtful to, you know, people who consider you a friend, a true friend? Um, no one's really, no one's really called it. I would say three friends has called it. Mm -hmm. I would say two of my good friends that I met here in Georgia and, um, and you. Outside of that, um, no one's really called it. They kind of let me move how I need to move. Well, I think that people may do that from a place of hurt as well. You know, it's like, think of when you've seen someone move that way, you kind of move differently. It's like a waltz, right? So they're watching you set the tone. And if they realize you're pulling, pulling away and you're setting these walls, then maybe they'll pull away. Because remember, just like we have heart spaces to protect, other people do as well. And a lot of other people, they may try to act like things are cool and they don't. But the reality is, is that everybody is navigating through these relationships with a lot of insecurities. We all come with our insecurities, past hurts, past traumas, and we're all trying to do this dance to try and navigate through that, try to show up as a real friend and also trying to protect our heart space. And that is a very delicate dance. You can say that again. Yeah. And that's why boundaries are so important, though, because it helps you to, like, I, at, at this age, and I guess that's one of the reasons why city, like, I, I, I'm just going to be like, listen, this isn't working, and here's why, okay? Now I'm open to X, <laughs> Y, and Z, but this particular space right here is not for us. <laughs> yeah, we... Yeah, you gotta be straightforward about it. You can say that again, friendships after 30 are tough. But they're possible. I mean, hey, people get married after 30. Well, so that's true. I feel like all friendships are possible. I mean, you know, I can be a social butterfly sometimes. So, you know, and that's oh, yes, what it girl, takes. You talk to everybody. Mm -hmm. Jesus. Ooh. Why is, she why is she talking to these people? We don't, I don't want to talk to these people. You know, sometimes you just, sometimes you just don't meet strangers. 
strangers, you know? <laughs> oh, I do all the time. Neighbor made strangers. <laughs> well, getting it started, getting it started is not the hard part. Making it last, you know, it's tr- truly the thing, you know, like you said, well, life changes you never know what people going through what their intentions are um so that's that's the um meat and potatoes behind everything um but we talked about some pretty heavy situations as far as friendships one thing we didn't talk about um is the girl with no friends oh bless her heart that's got to be tough well, I was looking into that because um, some people are naturally introverts where, you know, it's not that they just don't want friends or, I mean, it's not that they just can't have friends. It's just that maybe they're they're shy or maybe they're, you know, their insecurities emotionally won't let them, you know, get into a situation where they can be with a bunch of friends. Um, but then you have some some situations where the heart is not good. I would consider myself an introvert. And when I say that, people are shocked, but I would consider myself an introvert. I don't think it's hard to to keep friends because I'm an introvert. I think it just makes my friendships, I think for introverts, it makes their friendships that much more important. They truly, I think an introvert, when they consider someone a friend, they truly, 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 are emotionally invested in that because they're they're not out there just like talking to everybody and making friends here left and right. You know what I mean? The the ladies who don't have any friends, it just pushes me back because I wonder um, what the mind space or what the mindset is for that individual. And when you say they don't have any friends, you mean female friends or we didn't even talk about that. Friends with the opposite sex now. But let's stay let's stay here for a minute because we could that can go down a whole nother rabbit trail. Whole but, nother trail. <laughs> man, you have friends, you have friends of the opposite sex, you end up in entanglements. Whoa, 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 <laughs> whoa, whoa. <laughs> um for the ladies who don't have any friends, my heart goes out to those women because it truly is a blessing. Like I have all brothers and I've always wanted a sister, but God was so kind to bless me, to bless me with women who I consider sisters. Now there's one young lady that I actually met in Atlanta. I would consider a sister now, but I met her in my twenties. So I would put her in the same category as those ladies that I spoke of from New York and excuse me, and Boston. Wait a minute, and you're, you also don't have any sisters either. No sisters. You're the only girl. Nope. So I'm surrounded by the guys. Yes, I have two younger brothers and me. Yeah. And how have, how, how do you feel like that has benefited your, I guess your, your womanhood to have, you know, your close female friends? Oh, it was necessary. Um, it was much needed. <laughs> so um, growing up with, with growing up with the boys, what it would have you um, a little rough around the edges sometimes, um, and have yep. you talking in situations where 
you're like, okay. But your womanhood always kicks in. And I just felt like I was always truly a girly girl since since birth. And um, and that's what always helped me connect with, with other females and other women. So, but um, having those relationships and not having sisters, yes, I feel like that has shaped my life. I would say for you ladies who are out there listening, that if you don't have true female friends, that you really need to work on developing that. It really is a blessing. And developing from the space of not competing, not comparing yourself. Um, I know sometimes we compare ourselves to other women, like this person is prettier or more in shape and all these superficial things. Like truly learn how to be the friend that you want someone to be to you. I think that's the best advice to give. Show up as the friend you want someone was, to be to you. That was well said. That was well said. And if I can add anything to that, um, self-reflect. Self-reflect. Um, find out why you're the common denominator in that space. And then work from there. True. Now, I had to do that. I think that's one of the things that helped me to shift um, my delivery and being the honest friend. Because a lot of times, just, you know, talking about things in hindsight, my friends would, would tell me, you know, I remember when you said something, girl, that hurt me to the core. And that was not my intent at all. So hearing that, oh, it made my heart hurt. You know what I mean? When I heard things like that sometimes, because I knew my heart space, but it did not, it was not conveyed. Like your intent and what actually happened could be very different things. And so it became important for me to make my actions line up with my intent. And I am telling you, if someone abuses that, that heart space that you place them in or abuses your friendship, that is not a reflection on you. It is a reflection of that person's heart posture and don't take it personally. It is up to you to then redraw the lines of that friendship and keep it pushing, but don't let it change how you continue to show up as a person and how you continue to show up as a friend. So Tia, do you think that you can have friendships with the opposite sex? Yes, I do. Here's why. If you set boundaries and if you put them into categories, remember we talked about categories? I feel like friendships with the opposite sex should be, um, there should be limitations in certain spaces, especially if you're married. So if you marry, if you're married or if you have a significant other, if you have a friend that's of the opposite sex, they should also um, have a similar relationship with your spouse. I agree. I totally agree because when I was much younger, I used to have guys who are really considered friends. And I would still say that those guys are still friends in my heart, but do we talk um, and do we keep um, communication and wish each other birthday and all that? No, the relationship isn't like that. And it has changed as I think that it should because I think once you get to a certain age, maintaining a relationship that close relationship with a man can be very tricky because as we talked about earlier, how hard it is to make connection 
after the age of 30, true authentic connection. I think once a man and a woman starts to make um, that connection, even if it's purely just a friendship, then that heart posture begins to change. And let's say we have a friend in common. Um, I'm, I would consider him a friend. I actually consider him a brother, you know, mm -hmm. um, and he was, um, everybody would hang out. It was almost like family. We've spent Thanksgivings to get together. Um, I was friends with his spouse. Like we, we all had to, I think that was the, the only healthy way to do that. Yeah. I had to be on the up and up. I agree. Um, when do you when do you feel like you should separate or create boundaries in that space um, of relationship with the opposite sex? What are some red flags, or what are some things that may make things uncomfortable or change the dynamics of the relationship? So I, I'm going to speak on it from my, um, from my personal experience. So I did have this friend once, um, and I would say that it was a time where I was in a tough, a tough relational space. Um, and I became friendly with someone and having that friendship really was a, a space of comfort started to shift when i realized that you know you're looking forward to talking to that person i think once you start looking forward to talking to that person or you are excited when the when the phone rings and it's them then i think that's definitely when you have already crossed the line like it should never get to that point where you are looking forward to that person calling you or looking forward to running into that person or getting that email or that text. I think from that point on, you have already crossed the line into an emotional entanglement. It may not even be physical, right, at that point, but I think only your spouse should have that heart space. Or even if you're not married, I think the person that you're with, let's say your partner, mm -hmm. we'll just say, I think only your partner should have that heart space that's pulling on those, those triggers when the phone rings that you're excited or when um, that you're looking forward to that call or that text. What about you? How, what do you think when it, when it goes too far? Well, I will say when it, when it starts, um, my husband and I, we had a conversation about something similar to this um, from a situation when we were younger and how um how I grew up with the boys so it was easier for me to connect with the guys and I would I would have guy friends as well as girlfriends um but when you're in a serious relationship like you said the dynamics of those relationships change and I feel like people can sometimes hold on to those relationships because it feels a void from what they're missing in another relationship so like, let's just say hypothetically, women mature faster than men, right? Mm -hmm. So let's say you're in a relationship with um, with a guy and you're, and you're a gal, but this guy may prov provide a companionship, a level of companionship that you may not have with your spouse. So I'm gonna speak to this because I feel like I can, I can really talk to this because I have been in a complicated situation where 
I end up having a romantic relationship with someone who I truly did not want to have a romantic relationship with. He truly was someone I considered a friend. And although I was single at the time, we simply were not emotionally available for each other. It fell into a romantic relationship because we became companions for each other. So just like I was discussing before, you know, it was truly just a friendship. At least in my mind, it was truly just a friendship. But after moments of talking, and at first we never used to even talk on the phone, it would just be like messages, pretty mm -hmm. much um, emails at first. Well, I can't even say emails. What do you call when people slide into your DMs? <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I didn't even know that was a term. I didn't know that was a term. <laughs> That's a whole thing. That's a whole thing, right? That's what they call it now, these young kids. <laughs> Girl, when I heard my son say that the other day, I said, what, what, what you talking about DM? Anyway, <laughs> but um, it was really a situation where we used to message each, other, message each other. And through that, we developed a comfortability with, with each other. And then from there, texting and you know, talking on the phone and we developed a true, well, let me say this. I believe we developed a true friendship. In hindsight, I don't believe it really was a friendship. In hindsight, I believe it was a codependent interaction, mm. right? Because if we truly had a friendship at some point, we should have been like, this is probably going to be unhealthy. And there were many moments where I said that in my mind, there are many moments where I said that um, directly to this gentleman, but there was a synergy, there was some sort of weird connection. And I think that that weird connection was indeed that codependency and almost like a trauma bonding that we had. Mm. And so he went through his own trauma. I you know, went through my own trauma. And so we just fused that together and it seemed like a safe space. You feel like a boundary could have been set up or a line could have been drawn in that relationship just to kind of help maybe someone or a listener or whatever the case is figure out like, okay, hey, that was a situation. Here's some red flags. What? How would I come back from that? And then can we also talk about what a healthy relationship look like, what a healthy friendship look like with the opposite sex, where it doesn't involve all the, the icky, ficky feelings and attachments? So I'll say this. I'm, I'm glad you asked that question. So I think for that particular relationship that the line should have been drawn from the first message. From the first time he reached out to me, the line should have been drawn then. And the reason why is because when he first communicated to me, he and I had friends in common. And so with he and I having friends in common, um, if, we, if we didn't feel comfortable, you know, talking to our friends and being like, hey, I talked to so-and-so, then his intent was never pure. Mm. Does okay. that make sense? Okay. When did you become, when did you 
become aware of that um of that intentment i would say pretty early on but i I would say pretty early on i became aware that um it was it was a communication that was not to be broadcasted i mean i'm not that way anywhere where i'm just gonna be like hey guess who i talked to today but i think very early on in our communication it was like hey did you talk to so-and-so today well if you do don't mention this conversation type of thing so i think very early on that should have been like red flags to me yeah but again i think because of the space that i was in and that's and this is not making an excuse but i think that that should have been a clear indication to me that hey maybe we shouldn't have this friendship at all Mm -hmm. and i think anytime that you have a friendship that you feel with that anytime you have a friendship whether it be man or woman um that you feel like you have to keep a secret i don't think that's a healthy friendship to have because you cannot continue to live in the shadows live in the yeah you can't and all that does is continue to create like this pattern of lies so i think from from gate like if you have a friendship like that go ahead and cut that thing loose either you live with it above board or you cut it loose and then the other question that you asked me was what are some healthy boundaries i think if you're going to have a friend of the opposite sex you truly need to also have that person around your spouse and have that have your spouse truly feel comfortable. If your spouse feels comfortable in that space and there are some clear boundaries, you'll be meeting with them alone. You don't need to be talking to them in private. And one thing you really shouldn't do is never, ever, ever discuss your marriage, whether it be a problem or a good thing with that person. Marriage or... Um... Relationship. relationship. Yeah, relationship. Relationship, yeah. Mm-mm, that's off limits. Off limits. You do not discuss your partner with the opposite sex. So what do you think that the um, some healthy boundaries would be? Some healthy boundaries would be, because, um, I mean, you have coworkers, you have church members, you have, um, you know, people that you probably see on a regular basis that, you know, you have a familiarity with, you know, and you mm-hmm. may consider that person as um, an associate or a friend. So, and then we don't, you know, you don't want to just X out the opposite sex just because they're the opposite sex. So you don't want it to be just, oh, me, man, you woman, <laughs> no relationship kind of deal, right? Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. I mean, you know, of course, we have to have relationships, right, across the board. But I think I think that they have to be strong, solid relationships. And I think that any time you start lying to your spouse or um, hiding a relationship from your spouse, then that is a clear indication that you need to cut that thing off, even if nothing has happened. Even if, and let me just be clear here, People think that infidelity happens only when there is physical connection. Infidelity happens on an emotional level. 
Anytime you place someone in an emotional space where your spouse should be in, even if you have not had intercourse, even if you have not kissed that person or had a um, an intimate embrace, whatever you want to call it. I don't know what people call these things these days. So I have coworkers that I am really cool with, coworkers that I, you know, really enjoy talking to. I learn things from, we talk about all sorts of things, but I really do keep solid boundaries in those relationships. Um, and you know, experience is the best teacher. Experience can give you wisdom that, you know, someone else telling you can't give you. So I'm really thankful for all the experiences that I've had because it helps me now that I'm in this season to really affirm all my boundaries, whether they be in same sex friendships or even friendships with the opposite sex. I am able to really hold tight to those boundaries that I have. And surprisingly, you know, people always talk about people pushing back on those boundaries. Surprisingly, the friends that I have, the friends and associates that I have, they truly do respect my boundaries. And I think it's the way that I interact with them that there's a mutual level of respect. Hmm. That's really interesting. Um, but again, to piggyback off what you said, those boundaries are, are important. And um, they're just as important as the interaction. So I totally agree with um, the whole movement of that relationship to start without to start out with a level of respect. Mm-hmm. And I think from the time you see a man, I mean, just from the female perspective, like I am really, really cautious about men who may try to flirt now. I'm like, back it up, bro. Back it up. People can truly be making a joke, but I also want people to know, like, from the gate, that although it's a joke, that it's really not an area that I take lightly. Well, Tia, this was a really good conversation. I was trying to keep it at 30 minutes, but as usual, I keep going over. One of these days, I'll learn how to keep these podcasts at only 30 minutes. It was a really good conversation and I like the flow. So I'm happy that we continue to go so we can touch upon some of the subjects that we did. But thank you so much for sitting with me today. Good people, thank you for being patient with us. And it's with love that I leave you today. Until next time. This podcast may contain copyrighted material and may not have been specifically authorized by the copyright owner. This should constitute as fair use under Section 107 of the U.S. Copyright Law. If you wish to use any material from this podcast and or site that go beyond fair use, you must obtain express permission from the copyright owner.